So we got our root probe. We're gonna hook this into the root. And then we have our leaf probe. We're gonna hook this on the leaf. And we're gonna see what happens here. So now we're gonna play inside this tree. You're listening to the sounds of a giant sequoia tree's electromagnetic output as music through the magic of the music of the plants device, with today's guest, Tom Wall, jamming along with his guitar. This particular tree is actually the infamous drive-through tree, which has had a giant chunk cut out of the base so that vehicles can pass through it. Tom's been on a bit of a journey that's taken him to California where he was lucky enough to climb the giant sequoia trees and jam with them. Usually we don't do personal stories on Plants Grow here, but once I heard about this journey I knew that I had to know a little bit more about it and I thought that you guys would as well. Yeah dude, thanks so much for coming back on the show man. Yeah, absolutely. It was a blast last time. It was uh, it was great. I really appreciated it. I do you remember when it was that I was on? Because I'm trying to remember, like in my head, plot out a timeline of what's happened just since I've talked <laughs> to you last. Yeah, episode fifty three. So that was on the twenty seventh of June that I released it. But I'm pretty sure we oh, wow. recorded it. <laughs> we've recorded it a few weeks before that. I'm sure as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If I remember correctly, yeah, I, I knew it was like summertime-ish, so I, that's, and which is like actually uh, not summertime-ish for you, but you know. Okay, so yeah, that, that makes sense. So, wow, there's been a lot. <laughs> there's been a lot that's happened. We're going to talk about some pretty cool things in this episode, but I would tell our listeners, maybe go back and check that first episode that we did together, episode 53, Plant Electromagnetic Output as Music with Tom Wall as well, because this episode really is going to fly off the back of that one. And you're probably going to need to understand the basics of what we're going to be talking about, because we're not going to go over the basics again. So Tom, you've been making music with Redwoods. Redwoods and Giant Sequoias. And yeah, it's, and there I've even uh, set up light shows so they conduct light shows. And it's been, it's been wild. I haven't got, to, to release any of the good footage of the light shows. Yeah, I'm excited about that thing. But all in time. All in time. <laughs> yeah, so, so, yeah, so I've been playing music with uh, giant sequoias and giant redwoods. It was not only did I get to play with them, the, the sequoia, I uh, was up in Sequoia Cross where there was just recently a giant forest fire. And before all this, you know, the generations passed, they always said that sequoias were fire resistant they had the thick bark and they were such massive trees that they could just resist the fires but this time there was a fire that came through it was called the castle fire that was so hot that it, it killed off a lot of the old growth trees and burned the ground so hot that even the seedlings you know the cones or anything like that actually burnt up as opposed to being able to release more mm-hmm. seeds like sometimes happens when you have a normal forest fire so because of this devastating fact we're teaming up with a place called archangel ancient tree archive which 
but how far down the rabbit hole do you want to go today? <laughs> the whole because, way. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So let me back up to all this. So, so for the listeners who don't understand, obviously I play music with plants and trees. Uh, a while back, I had started a genre of music idea behind all this called Forget Electric. Through that, I was on this television show called Mystic Michigan, and this guy solves a bunch of mysteries or at least goes and explores them around the state where I live because it's a very interesting place that has a lot of strange history and phenomenal places or whatever you want to call it. And uh, he came to interview me, and I was talking about some of the, the wild things that have happened to me over my life that most people would probably, I don't know if they'd laugh at him or what else. So a lot of people resonate with him once they understand because people have been through things they don't usually talk about out loud until somebody else does. But just random, like I, I would call them esoteric experiences or spiritual experiences and seeing things that maybe you know, that people don't understand exist yet, things like that. I don't know why or how. Just when I was like, even a kid and stuff like that. But anyway, so I was going over all this stuff with this this TV crew, and the host was just like really, really surprised by talking to me. And through that, he's like, you have to really link up with this place called the Archangel Ancient Tree Archive. And I was like, well, all right, uh, you know, I, what, what, you know, it's, you know, a lot of people throw a lot at you when you're when you're doing this. Like, you need to play with this, and you need to play with that. So, mm-hmm. it it just it's so much when somebody says the Archangel Ancient Tree Archive that you're just like, okay, whatever. You're not really thinking much about it. And then he goes, "Well, we just did an episode on it." And he said, "I I couldn't say it in the uh, TV show because the editor wasn't allowing it." He said, "But the guy died on the operating table." And uh, he, when he died, he went through this, the realm, you know, to, through the light or whatever. And then he came to a place and was told that it wasn't his time to, to die. And he was shown visions of a devastated earth and everything like that. And he was told that in order to save the, the planet and, and keep it intact, we need to clone and propagate the oldest and um, the best trees from the past so that way we can keep the the genetics alive because those are the ones that have made it through over all the years and they're the ones that will be able to keep going as we go forward with all this so you know he as he came back somehow he he came back to the table sat right up and uh, i think his wife and his daughter uh, if i can believe the story correctly were sitting next to him and they're just like baffled that he sat back up because they thought for sure he was dead after that, he he just set on a mission to start cloning these giant trees. And he went through a lot of strange experiences to get to that point. And he's been all over the world doing this and has uh, a book about him. His name's uh, Dave Millark. And he's he was laughed at at first, but now he's been successful. And through his effort, he happened to have a facility near me in Michigan to go visit. So I go up there and uh, we we hang out and I see this facility and I'm just like blown away. I mean, here's this facility in Michigan of all places, which is nowhere near California. And it's not a place where redwoods are supposed to grow. I mean, sequoias can grow here, but it just is not being done much yet. Um, you walk into this place and you're just like, you can feel your heart change because of all the trees in there. And I was just like, holy, wow, this is something different. I've never been like this before. Because I hadn't been out west at that point yet, um, at least not in the redwoods anyway. So 
we set up, played music with the trees, and obviously there was that huge resonating factor, and they really had a good response. But then we had the individual caretakers come and touch the trees and respond to the trees and see how the trees responded with them musically. And you could definitely tell the difference between everybody who would go through there and how they were responding. And I have video of all this, so we're going to get it out eventually. I, but so anyway, so that was in August. And through that, immediately started this relationship with us. And he was, you know, like, hey, I want to help you. This is great. We're going to do this. And I, I know these people. And, you know, and once again, a lot of people say that. And you're like, okay, cool. And I went back to doing my normal cosmic knot thing and, and my normal organoleptic thing, which is not really normal. But <laughs> And then I got another invite to come up there, play with these singing bowls and do this thing and we did a, a thing where i was playing drums with singing bowls and i had my buddy playing guitar with me some blues and we had one of the trees playing with us and i at one point we had a tree that was playing with us that was called uh the hippocrates sycamore and it par- apparently it's so old the hippocrates or the hippocrates taught under it and so <laughs> these trees are like super ancient trees we're playing blues with it and it's just playing right along really intuitively and everything like that and it's just like all right there's definitely something going on here so we became friends with these people and a very short time and we're just like wow this is really really cool and then i went and was in this international art competition called art prize and i built this box that then i, I had my girlfriend and uh, some friends of mine paint it and we had a, kind of like an interactive mural at times uh during uh, the 18 days of this art contest or whatever you want to call it took place and inside of it i put lights all around this is the first time i'd really done anything like this and i put led lights all around and then i uh, had leds bigger ones uh, like pars pointing right on it and then i put different trees in there and i had them all hooked up so they could play music and they could play music together and they could play music with me and they could play music with people coming through and uh it was just unbelievable i mean there was people i was watching people driving down the road and they would just slam on their brakes and stop like <laughs> right in the road pull over and be like, no way you know and they'd walk up to that thing and i'd be like no way you gotta be kidding me there's no way and, and then i'd explain what's going on they're like oh my god i've had people like start doing the sign of the cross be like lord have mercy i've had people just start crying i mean it was it was unbelievable the reaction that was going on down there. I ended up getting top twenty-five for this contest, but it was a, it was a weird contest, and I, I'm not sure how exactly they ended up judging it. So uh, it was it was an honor to be in it, but it was really strange because everybody couldn't figure out quite how to vote. But it was just like it didn't matter. Nobody mm-hmm. even cared because like none of the artists were like they none of us even wanted to be down there in a competition together. And we were working with all these different people together, and the, it, like it became this community kind of thing where like. All the art, all the artists started kind of like coming together, and I found this one guy, and he ended up coming along, and, and he was doing AI, and I was just like, wow, this is really really cool, you know. And uh, he's like, well, I can map data and and do all this, and he was just explaining what he did, and I was like, well, I have this device that you know explains like data coming off the plant and then converts that to music maybe we could take that data and do something with it or whatever and he's like yeah you know sounds like a good idea and so now eventually we're going to team up and see what we can uh, come up with on that but i'm excited to see the potentials here but we're working on making you know making it 
farther and, and more explanatory and more understandable for everybody so they can see it firsthand. But so while I'm down there, I get I get notified that I was top 25 in this contest of like a, almost a thousand people. I, had, I ended up winning a few different awards for like $250 here and there. That was awarded throughout the weekend for, uh, for that same same thing. And all of a sudden, I get an email saying, hey, yeah, we want to have you guys come out to California with us. And we're going to have the press there and all that. And we want to get you up in this tree and have you play music with it. Hmm. And it's just like, all right. <laughs> I got two weeks to prepare for this. I've been at a contest for 18 days. So it's like, you know, I was just really crazy to be we were you know just pushing yourself to that limit and just being out there for 14 to 16 hours a day working on on just this and interacting with people and seeing how it is and then you go from that to all of a sudden getting this email being like you got to go out west we're going to do this and, and they're like well, you can fly out there and i was like i can't fly i got i have too much gear so i was like right, we'll just rent a car and we'll follow you out there and they they rented a box truck and they loaded up 250 uh, redwoods and sequoias in this giant box truck, and they met us in our driveway, and we mm. took off across the country. Wow. And as we went through uh, into the Rocky Mountains, we got to stay with one of my friends and explore the Rocky Mountains a little bit and see the Colorado River before it turns into a trickle from getting trained. And uh, we caught some beautiful trout and everything, and then we got to the sequoia crest as we go through and. It's interesting to get there because everything's California is this beautiful oasis of a place a lot of times, or it's just a complete dump like LA or whatever. But like the first thing we got into, it's just like, it's just oil fields for so long. And you, you know, it's just like, really, I wouldn't have expected that. And then finally you get into groves of fruit, then there's oil, oil pumps in the, in the groves of fruit. And you're like, okay. And then all of a sudden you can see the mountains and then you, you get to the base of it and you realize that you're at, you're at the, basically the foothills are where you're heading and you start going up and you just watch as the train changes and goes. And eventually we got to 7,000 feet and you don't see a Sequoia until you're right at the very end, basically. And we mm. finally get to the cabin and you pull up and right under the cabin is just these massive Sequoias that are over 200 foot tall. And it, it's, you know, they're on all sides and we're just like, what? And there's this beautiful log cabin. They're like, yeah, you got to stay here for a few days. And uh, we'll, we'll start plotting where we can plant all the trees. I'm like, really? I'm like, okay. So we start hanging out and getting flags set around the mountainside because this is a community called Sequoia Crest that was devastated by the castle fire that I recently mentioned. And so we get all the all the flags set and we wait and get everybody up on the mountain, the crews and the press and everything like that. And had all the trees set and get the, all the, the, these school kids were invited from the bottom of the mountain, one of the, the cities at the bottom of the mountain. And they get up there and they come out and, and the crew looks at me and they're like, all right, you're going to have to teach these kids. I was like, okay. Like, <laughs> teach yeah, them about like what? Around, yeah, about planting the trees. They, want, they, <laughs> they, hired, they brought their kids into, I mean, obviously I was going to already teach them about plant music. But they're like, you, you got you got to teach about all of it now, and I was just <laughs> like, all right, because apparently I got volunteered for it. So it was really cool, actually. These kids were all, I guess, some of the best in their class or whatever. They're kids that were doing really good. They got invited up there. They're middle schoolers, and they were just 
amazing kids. They dug out the holes. I showed them how to do it. You know, we dig the hole, put the mycorrhizae in there. So that way it had a chance to get an instant population and some uh, boost on that root growth and uh, put it in there with some good soil. And, you know, obviously they had to water them in and all of that. But we had, uh, I think we had, I can't remember how many exactly we had the kids plant, but it was a, it was a really good amount. I think it was 30 or 50. It just in half hour that they were there and and then we went and showed them the big trees and that's when i hooked up the the big tree but the cool part about the big tree was i had to climb 200 foot up into this tree to attach my electrodes so then they asked me to do this i'm just like well how am i supposed to how far up is the the closest branch that i could even hook up to and they're like i don't know 100 foot i'm like okay well that ain't gonna work <laughs> I got like 30 foot maybe on mine. I was just like, this is ridiculous. So I was like, okay, I got I I gotta figure this out. So I started kind of brainstorming on what I could do and went and bought some parts and modified my device and I I attached about an extra 250 foot or so of cable to it with a clamp and I got up there. And I, I only had a moment to really do it because you, everything is kind of moving so fast when you're up there going. and You don't know when you're going to have time to really do everything because nothing's exactly plotted out. It's just kind of, whoops, sorry about that. Just do it as you can, you know. And as as we're working through it, all of a sudden I, I noticed my window of opportunity to climb this tree. And I, was, I wasn't ready for it personally. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're on a seven, you know, seven thousand foot up on a mountain with basically a, <laughs> pretty much a drop off next to us, and then I got to climb two hundred foot up in this tree, which is sixty meters, by the way, for our Aussie listeners. Yeah, yeah. So it's <laughs> it's not a short climb. It's hard, no, it's hard to explain until you do it. It's a very tremendous feeling, but just obviously, like I said, when I walked into the facility, my heart changed. When I got up to the, where the actual big trees were, it was just. It's really, you can't really explain that feeling. And I know you have some really great trees out in, uh, in Austin, but not many places that have trees like that. So I'm sure you understand the feeling when you get in the presence of some of these absolute monster trees. But, you know, I start climbing up this thing and about 50 foot up, I, I just was like, what am I doing? I was like telling myself out loud, I'm like, I am nuts right now. This is crazy. Cause I mean, at 50 <laughs> foot up, it's a lot. You don't think it's that high until you're actually climbing up and you're looking down and you're like, wow. And then by the time you get to all the way to the top, here's this guy hanging out with you. And my hands were so sore because the person that was going down was lighter than me. And it was on like an elevator system where we were helping each other kind of go up and down. But the, So it ended up for a situation where I had to pull myself a lot harder than normal and the ropes were wet. Because we had eight inches of snow randomly fall, and that was unexpected. So as as the snow's melting, everything's dripping, and everything's falling on your face. These ropes are heavy; you're thick, so you can't hardly even pull yourself up. So we're, I'm I'm struggling. By the time I get there, my hands are so sore I can't even hardly do anything. I'm trying to pull my phone out of my pocket, and not drop it 200 foot to you know it's doom basically. <laughs> and I get a little bit of footage, and I I ask the the guy to hook up the electrode for me because I didn't think that there was a spot that I could hook it up to. And then right after he hooked it up, we got the great footage. I looked right next to me and there's a teeny, teeny, teeny little sprout and I couldn't hook it up to that. And then, it, but I was just like, you know, 
We had the good footage. I was so exhausted. I was like, no, this is how it's supposed to be. He did it. He's part of it now. And his name was Rip Tompkins. He's an amazing human, one of the best climbers in the world. Uh, and he's one of the main guys that helped us do all this. But he actually took clones of these trees, too, so we could uh, take propagation, propagate the cuttings and, and help them try and live on. So he goes right to the very top because it's the newest growth and has the best hopes of being able to, uh, to grow. And when they take that, they, they usually can get quite a few cuttings off of them so it preserves the genetics. Mm -hmm. And then they also find the, the clones. But anyway, so we hook up the the device, and I and I go back down, and uh, I waited till morning because I, I my hands were so sore and I was so exhausted, and my adrenaline was so shot from going up and down this tree. I, I just there's no way I could have even attempted to do anything musical that night. I, I was exhausted. It was awesome. It was the most exhilarating thing you could probably ever do, honestly. I, when I got up there, the clouds had blown in because we're on the mountain, obviously. Some of them put up so you could see above the clouds at times. And they blew up and they started coming up the mountain. I couldn't even see the ground. And I'm just looking down and I'm just like, I, I'll, I'll send a picture to you so you can post it. But it, <laughs> you're looking down and all you see is the clouds. I mean, it's fog, but it's just, it's you know, you're looking <laughs> at clouds because you're so high up and you're just, it's, a, it's, it's an amazing experience. But anyway, so. I waited till the next morning when the school kids and everybody was there and I tested the signal and lo and behold, it worked and it worked great. I couldn't believe it. It played faster than most plants do, which was really surprising considering the distance of the wires involved. So I, I plugged it in and we played it and it was playing great music. And then without even touching it, all of a sudden something just broke. Right when I was going to climb the tree and play music with all the kids there and everything like that. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I, if you're a musician, you understand that there's always some kind of technical failure. Even being an audio guy, I'm sure you understand. There's always mm. some kind of technical failure. It just seems to be inevitable that there's going to be something maybe along the line if you're not careful. So I was just like, all right, sure enough. So I'm sitting here working on it, working on it, working on it. And uh, I was smart enough to bring a little pocket torch and some solder and uh, a knife to potentially operate on wires just in case. I've been through this before. <laughs> I've been through these things before. So I, I worked on it, worked on it, and obviously the kids had to go because they only had a very short time frame, but they got to interact with the tree and touch the tree and hear the tree react to their touches. And these kids got to at least react to the tree. But anyway, so they had to leave. I worked on a thing and I got it to actually work. I, I finally got it to work again. I figured out what it broke, and the tree started to play again. And uh, I, I get the, the harness on and and they start hoisting me up in this tree with my guitar. And I was able to be, I don't know, I would say between 30 and 40 foot. So that's like, what, 10 meters or so. Uh, up in the up in the tree, just kind of suspended there, playing. And, and I'm playing along with this tree because it's plugged in. So I'm sitting here listening to the, the, the blues that this giant redwood's playing. It's, I'm sorry, giant sequoia. It had just been through this fire, and the center of it was like a tornado action, so it really torched the inside of it, but the outside lived on. So it was three trees growing off the one stump, and it was called the Three Sisters tree, but each tree is still absolutely massive in its own right. Mm -hmm. And so it had been through all this sadness, so I, we were playing the blues. Mm -hmm. And the tree reacted just... It's hard to explain. It's like they could... Some, some plants will react as you do things in, in a... Like, almost in the same timeline 
maybe just a little bit before you would in in like your mental thinking or how you're going to switch a chord. Like it'll be able, to, like it'll, it'll, they usually are ahead of you a little bit somehow in their playing ability. And I haven't figured this out yet, so you got to go with me on this one. But but these ones seem to be as soon as I thought I was going to go do something different, it was already doing. It. Like I mean, it was like instantly changed to it. Almost like teasing me, saying, "Well, I can do it. Why can't you?" <laughs> almost like teasing me that I haven't, like, I like, I'm, I'm almost in the way of my own conscious ability because a lot of times <laughs> our thinking ability will slow us down because, like, we can actually do things faster than we allow ourselves to. But our, you can call it our ego, I guess, but not in the the harsh sense, but more so of just the the worry sense. We throw so many blocks up instantly when we think of anything. There's like the you that can like tap into your energy source that can just like have unfiltered like that's where music comes from when you like when you can actually tap into it and those people who can play and there's just like no filter on what they're doing you have to be able to completely get out of the way of yourself somehow in some strange way but you, like when you keep like a material sense will keep you in the sense that you can't do this and you can't do that or if you got to do this you got to do like. If you were to think of every single note that you're playing, the way you were playing it when you're playing super fast, it wouldn't. It's like typing on a keyboard. If you, you know what I mean, you almost just have to kind of roll with it. Otherwise, if you <laughs> sit there and think about it, you will sit there and chicken peck every single letter of it, right? Yeah, right, right. If that, if that, maybe that's probably the best analogy because I remember being a kid trying to learn how to type and it was just terrible. And eventually, it got, you know, I can actually type now. But music, it's the same thing. It's like you get to the point where it's just, it's almost robotic. But yet you you channel this energy, this this improvisational energy that's really really profound, and uh, it so it makes it a different unique thing in itself. But so as as I'm playing with these trees, I'm noticing that they like I said they would instantly be doing like, just right onto it. Like I said, like teasing me, like well if we can do it, we can do it that fast and make it sound good. Why can't you? And it was really interesting because I realized that I was actually being taught at that moment that I'm, I'm still over, completely overthinking what I'm doing and I'm you know I, I'm not letting go enough to be there entirely I guess fully consciously because of my worries and everything like that I mean think about it when I'm hanging from a tree that high up with my guitar <laughs> and everything like that yeah I'm a little bit stressed at that point in my life not to mention the pressure on you to like make this work yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I already had completely train wrecked earlier with the kids. So I'm just like, <laughs> all right. And it wasn't because the tree didn't play. It wasn't because there's was any actual problems besides a wire broke. So it was like, but just enough that it absolutely, I mean, when you have the press, the world press there staring at you and that happens. <laughs> oh, there, it's like, well, that goes, there it goes. Just as like, you know, to the butchers with that pretty much. So anyway. I, I'm up here, and I, like I said, and I, not, I, it got me to calm down enough because this tree was teaching me, like, hey, you can do this, right? But it took me still, like, I didn't quite get it while I was in the tree fully, but I, I, I was starting to get it, and then, then the drums came in, and they had to take the footage and everything like that, and it was just like, you know, it was, it's a lot going on for all this. Trying to keep myself forward and not be facing the tree and bumping into it with my guitar and everything while I'm playing is also another work of art when you're suspending from a tree that big it, it was interesting but so i get back down and everybody gets done with everything and they're all kind of we get we plant the rest of the trees i think we planted 150 or so or no yeah 150 we planted on the side of that mountain uh sequoias to repopulate the ones that had died 
And I'd like to know how many died and how many we planted in the ratio of that because I hope that it was exceeding what uh, any giant ones. But we'll see. We're check that out. But anyway, I I we, we had our dinner and everything, and I realized this is it. I got to do it now. If I'm going to do this light thing, I better do it now. Otherwise, I'm going to uh, I'm not I'm, you know I'm not going to be able to ever do this again. Hmm. So and I was to the point of. There's a lot of hiking on a mountain. When you're that high up, the oxygen's much less too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you just, it's a different type of, it's a whole different type of energy up there. So I was pretty exhausted, but I was like, I knew I had to do it. So I pull out my speaker and I get the lights set up and I hook up, you know, the tree, the, still had the wire hooked up to it. And I give it to start playing and then the, the light show starts going and it's, and then it made me realize it was like that was like the cap of it. I realized what we had done at that moment, and I was just like, "Wow, that was, was literally a historical thing. Like no one's ever done that before. No one's ever done anything like that before." I mean, I'm, I'm still sitting here with one of the guys from the the press that was working with the crew for CNN, and you know, I don't know what was all used or anything like that. I have no idea. They there was so much that went on that day when they they had a call of action day. CNN did, and that was this was all partly in correlation with that. And uh, there was different bits of footage here and there of different things. And there's one video of me playing and climbing the tree in the light show, but it was aired once and now it's still private. Mm. Hopefully I'll be able to let that one out eventually, but mm. still waiting on the clearance for all that. But there's some really cool footage that's going to be coming out from all that that I'm really excited to see. But so I'm sitting there watching this tree conduct a light show it's giant sequoia, and I had the, the the LEDs shooting. They're the same ones I brought out to the international art competition. I set them up and I'm shooting them right up the tree. So each individual part of the tree has a different tone of light, and as it plays notes, they change. And I'm just watching this. And I'm just like, wow, this is this is we really did it. Wow. So it's the same thing as the music, is it? It's just with lights this time. It's the electromagnetic output being interpreted yeah. into light. Okay. It was still it was still playing music, but it was you know I had it was conducting the light show too at this point. So it it just you're just watching it, and then so it, when you walk up near the tree, it instantly has a different energy and it starts reacting. And, and I got to the point where I played with it for a long time, and it was so cool. It was hmm. just sitting there on that. I, I, there was just this giant rock next to it. I could just watch the sunset over the over Central Valley in California and it you know you can see for a long way you're not supposed to be able to see for a long way on that mountain so it was really bittersweet because mm. the fire had taken out enough trees where you could see it oh, and we knew that that wasn't supposed to be like that yeah. so it was like it was cool but it was like dang it and I'm sitting here playing with this tree and I knew that we had clones of it and I knew we'd be able to get seeds of it if they fall because the, the people who only gave us permission for that and I was just like, at least this one gets to live on, though, you know. And, and it just had this energy. I don't know how it's. It's hard to explain. So you can only feel it in your chest. I mean, you could say it's your heart, but it's like your heart, but even beyond, it, it fills your whole chest cavity. This energy that's up there when you're really tapped in with these trees. And uh, eventually, one of the guys that was with the press was um, with me at the very end of it, and I had him start knocking on the tree. It touches reactions and uh, 
I mean, it would. He had it where it did the same thing like three or four times in a row. It was really, really cool. It it really responded to what he was doing, and he could see you know, the lights. It's really, really dramatically obvious because you're watching the lights like change every time it does something, and you can hear the noise. So you know, it helped me and him realize that this like must be not only once again obviously something to this, and I've been, I I wouldn't have pushed it this far if I didn't think there was. But it, there, you know, it's something that we can show now in a, in a better light. And obviously, we're going to take this to more extremes and and uh, make it more obvious to people who don't understand yet, because it's still a very deep subject and it's very, very out there to think of a plant playing music with its electromagnetic impulses. Just the fact that the plant can do anything. Yeah. Beyond photosynthesizing and growing and not moving. Yeah, yeah, but the, the, any 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 potential for anything besides just being a plant, because we <laughs> think that they're so stagnant in a modern sense. But they've known since the twenties that they put out an impulse, and they've been having researchers that have been looking into this stuff since since then, and they still haven't caught up to exactly all of what's going on. But it they are putting off something, and. Uh, they even have it set now where they can use a booster in some of the forest to use the trees to signal when there's a forest fire. Wow, so, that's so fascinating. Tree, and I don't know if you've seen the recent work. Uh, it's only been the past couple of years, but there's a man that just happens to live near me. I just it's so ironic. <laughs> He's showing how the Venus flytraps count. So he was showing how if you take a Venus flytrap and you Tap it's inside of its, its mouth, or what you, you know, whatever you'd like to call it. It's not, but you can call it a mouth for, for the sake of the conversation. But if you tap it once, it won't close up. But if you tap it a couple of times within a certain duration, then it assumes that a fly must be trapped. And then it will close up because it takes so much energy that it, it doesn't want to close up unless it knows for sure that there's a food source there because it doesn't want to waste its energy. It sounds to me like, yeah, if it was just one tap, it would be like a mechanism, like a trigger hair or something like that that would trigger off a reaction for the plant. But the fact that it's delayed sort of, it, it seems like it's a bit more complex than that. And that's, so if we're taking that, he, he, he this man also took and hooked up a sensitive plant with a Venus flytrap and then triggered the Venus flytrap. And then the wire that was hooked up to the Venus flytrap triggered the sensitive plant. So it shows that the impulse can even be transferred from plant to plant even without pot, you know, or even in a pot, it's even without being in the ground connected to the wire. But obviously what we're looking into and understanding is that they are tapping into an energy that's even beyond that. But so science has proven now that there's plants reacting and understanding and even counting to some degree, which is, I mean, how is that not a mind blow? I mean, it's just so freaking <laughs> cool, man. It's, you know, it's like, it makes sense, but what the heck? It's like, this. how did we not know that? I'm sure this, some of this stuff has probably been known for a long time. But like the fact that we're finally catching up to it, using it in modern science and showing that there's things here and that there are reactions. I think it's just, it, it's really awesome. But to have the hands-on experience with something that's that old, I mean, these trees are said to be 3,000 years old or up to 3,000 years old. It's a 240-foot tree. You know, I got to climb 200 foot up into it and experience this whole energy of this tree to its full degree. And they really, there's something going on out there with those. There, there, there is cosmic antenna that I feel like is going on with those trees. 
and we know that just what they emit with the aerosols and the amount of carbon that they uh, they you know they use the, throughout their lifetime and everything it's it's profound. But we just we don't understand fully the whole balance of all this because they know that there's bacteria that grow on different trees and different things that that help the clouds even form. And so if we wipe out these things that are doing the main functions for our planet work the way it's supposed to, we we can't live. So it's, it's Dave, the guy that this whole thing started through, the guy that said he died on the operating table or whatever, came back to life. And he, when he started this, the forests weren't in very bad shape around the world. They were, you know, they were being cut down, but they weren't just dying by the hundreds of thousands of acres. And he started doing this. People didn't really believe him at first, but he kept pushing for it and he kept pushing for it. And he was able to be successful in his ways. And they kept saying, oh, well, you know, the sequoias, they can't be burnt. So it's not to be worried about. Well, it happened. You know, that's what Dave says. He's like, they said it couldn't happen. Now it did. And guess who happened to go up there and get the genetics from the big trees before they died? The one was called the waterfall tree. It's one of the biggest sequoias i believe it was the biggest circumference sequoia maybe even tree in the world and, and it was burnt up in fire died but they were they happened to clone it and get cuttings from it they climbed the thing all the way to the top just like the other trees cut the very tips off cloned it and then took seeds of it and the tree was able to live on and i actually have a seedling of it in my house right now and it's one of the biggest trees ever in the entire world that is still that was still living up until last year, year and a half ago. So they said it wasn't going to happen. Well, it did. He said he couldn't do it, and he did. So it's just kind of really wild right now to to be able to run into this. And I mean, I started by being in. You know, I grew up in a deer farm, and I just I, we had our gardens, and then I became a, a cannabis uh, caregiver for patients and started treating them and learned a lot about organics through that and then farming and then I had a horticulture store and then I just fell apart and through that I just learned what I had done you know, or what I knew and played music the whole time through and never I was I knew that somehow there was something because it was going to be a merge of those two things but I never ever expected it to go to this point and it's just I don't know. It's it's really really strange to think that I've been able to do what I've done. I mean, I talked to you. That was a half a year ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lot's changed, eh? <laughs> yeah, and that, and that 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 much has happened since then. So it's just yeah. it's and I, I know there's more, but I can't even remember it at this point because you know, as far as in, the, in that timeline, but as far as being on the mountain, we went from there and wrapped all that up, went back down the mountain. And on the, right at the very last minute, they're like, hey, you got to go and find something at the cabin that we left or whatever, the, the people that we're staying with. So I went up there and thankfully they're friends of ours and everything. But right at the very last minute, I look in the driveway and there's a, a, a green pine cone that had just fallen from one of the, huh. the giant sequoias into the yard <laughs> that was one of our, that we could, that we were allowed to be able to utilize yeah. it from. And I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. So I took it and I said, I don't know what's going to happen, but I hope this will work. So I put it in the car and, and took it back. And uh, we started 
to go to San Francisco because we were going to go plant more trees and teach the kids. And this time it was a bunch of uh, kindergartners. So it was even cooler to see the, the really little kids getting in on it and get their hands dirty and planting all the trees. But that was like the main part of the CNN documentary. And we went and played music with the trees, showed the kids, had them manipulate the sounds that were coming out of the tree and react with it. And then they went and planted a bunch of trees. And uh, then we started driving up the coast with my girlfriend. And when we got to the Redwoods, it was Halloween night and we didn't expect to stay that late. So on the trip, we expected to go back before then, but so it's Halloween night and we're going through the Avenue of the Giants, uh, in the, where all the Redwoods are. And this, just so everybody knows, Redwoods are not Sequoias. There's two different things. They're both technically from the Sequoia, um, gene pool, but a Sequoia is different than a, a coastal Redwood. And so as we're going and we're getting to the coastal Redwoods, which was, you know, quite a few hours to drive probably eight hour drive, seven hour drive from where we were uh, with the Sequoias, we get to the spot that's called the drive through tree. And there's one we had already been through and it was, I, it's just, I feel terrible about it. I don't know why it's terrible that people cut holes through these giant trees just to have a drive through attraction in the twenties or whatever. But we get to the second one and uh, I, there was some kind of, I, I don't know why, but we just, I wanted to find one that I, I think I could play with or something that might have been the, the cause for me. I knew it, but I was trying to, there was, I was drawn to this one for some reason. We didn't drive in there at first. I just paid the money and we walked in. And I walked in and I looked at the tree and I was like, oh man, I can look up to this. And it's propped up with a cable. It's a massive tree, but they cut a hole through it. It had been burnt before the loggers came through. So they never cut it down, but it was still a. Uh, you know, it was alive on the outside, just dead on the inside, but it's a massive tree. So I walk up to the owner and I asked him, and I was like, hey, man, would you mind if we took some clones of this so we could help it live on and, and keep it growing? You know, I mean, it's, it's obviously an old tree. It's been a big attraction. It's an important tree. Uh, can can we keep it going? Can we keep, you know, take some cuts of it? And he goes, oh, yeah, take what you want, man. Don't matter to me. It's great. <laughs> He's just the happiest dude ever. I was just like, really? I was like, all right, it's called the shrine tree. So I walk back out there, I set up my gear, and uh, we start playing with it. And I'm standing in the, in the tree. And it was just fantastic. And uh, you can, uh, there's audio from that video you could probably grab and, and put in here if you'd like. Thanks. I was right actually going to ask you for that one. That's the one I wanted for the intro for this episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it plays so good. But so I, I get in there, and it was that played better than any of them that I've ever played with. Yeah. And you can hear it in that video. It's just like, perfectly on what i'm doing i have other video of me singing in it and i was just playing perfectly but i'm just trying to i don't want to yeah you know, i want people to focus on what's going on with that tree more than I, I i'm trying to worry about myself but i was just doing experiments and it's just so cool but then if we get back up and i didn't get my camera all in time with this family came that was visiting america and they come driving through the tree and the tree just starts going all sorts of wild, not, you know, the, nothing's actually touching the tree when the, the car's driving through it. But the tree is just like sending off this noise. It's like, ah, I'm just like, oh man. So it hates guess, the people driving under it. I don't know. I don't know. It just sounded <laughs> uncomfortable to me. It just sounded like it was just like reacting so intensely. I mean, I, I, way more intensely than me standing in or playing with it or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it seemed to enjoy playing with me. But it did. It, it just. 
I don't I don't know enough about it. It just got, it reacted very intensely. Is all I will mm. say on that one. But I was just like, wow, you know, that's strange. So we got done with that, and I took some branches off. I just broke them off and I stuck them in a bag with some water, and we continued our trip and headed for home. And when I got home, we took and I noticed there was some scale on a, on a little bit of the. If you, and you, you okay. understand, I'm sure you know scale is a typical pest scale on some of these uh, branches. So what I did is I got hydrogen peroxide uh, and then water and rubbing alcohol. And I would take cuttings of these and I would take little pieces and then I would scrub them with uh, the rubbing alcohol. I'd dip a toothbrush in it. I'd scrub down the branches with the rubbing alcohol and then I'd rinse them off and then I'd dip them in peroxide and I'd rinse them off. And that's kind of when you throw them in peroxide for a little bit, it's kind of almost like a tissue culture style. So I just almost kind of sanitize them a little bit. You know, it's not, it depends on what the concentration of the ratio is, how well it's going to disinfect, but it, it does help with some of that at times and help with obviously your fungus and things like that, potentials on there. So I gave them an alcohol scrub and a, a peroxide bath, and then I stuck them in different cubes and those pockets of dirt. I took the you know the normal typical cloning trays that you get fifty or seventy five or what's seventy two over however it depends on whatever you get. But you can get your little ceiling started. But I, I did various attempts with the actual peat plugs and then actual soil that had mycorrhizae embedded into it. So through what I did, I, I took it and put it underneath it, just a lamp in my in my front room in my window, and then put a, a full spectrum LED bulb in it that you can buy at regular store and christmas so i took them on halloween and I, I said this is the weirdest trick-or-treating i've ever done in my life <laughs> and on christmas day they started shooting shoots and i'm just cloning them in my window and i used some organic cloning gel and and the ones that were in the soil seemed to be doing much much better than the ones in the plugs for reference because right. uh, hopefully you know i would love to see you know if people people have the abilities it's, it can't hurt to get more of these trees out there but yes they but they are growing and we'll see how this goes i mean it, it's to be continued because that was only a little over a week ago i'm really excited to see what happens with that but that's so we i mean got all the way through this trip got out there did all this thing then they came back and now I didn't. I didn't think we were going to be necessarily coming back with the redwood clones because I was just going to take them and give them to the facility and let them take them. But then when they saw the scale, we can't risk them having it. But I yeah. don't mind because I, I I don't have any trees, and if I get it on one of my plants, I'll just throw the plant out or scrub it. Or I mean, I've, I've been through before. I had my store. It's it's a little bit of work, but you can get it around. It's just a pain in the butt. You can't do it in a giant tree facility. That's for sure. Mm. So through that. End up cloning the trees myself. So through a weird twist of divine fate, <laughs> it was, life was like, "Oh no, you got to do this yourself." Like I, I want you need to these trees now too. And so I, I set upon it, and it's working. And wow, it's it's been really strange. And I know it's a whole lot of talking, and not not a whole lot of talking. So I apologize on that. But it's just it's been a profound journey. Through all that, and now I'm just trying to gather all the footage and all the different highlights and put them together in video form on my Cosmic Knot YouTube channel, so people can 
kind of see what was going on and hopefully be inspired. Maybe we can get some more of these trees out there because if we can, if we get more of these trees out there, we have a chance. But without trees, we're really screwing the planet up. Absolutely. Tom, I wanted to have a chat to you about a really special book, probably one of my favorite books ever. It's called The Hidden Life of Trees by a bloke called Peter Wallabin. He's a forester in Germany and he's sort of been working in, is it the Carpathian forests or something like that in Germany? Anyway, working with really old trees. Have you ever read that book at all? I've heard a lot about it, but I have not read it yet. Oh, you would love it. Every time I start talking, people tell me about it. Have you heard this in The Secret Life of Plants? Yeah, right. The Hidden Life of Trees is the one I've read. No, yeah, no. They 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 bring both of those books up: the Secret Life of Plants and the Hidden Life of Trees. They 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 for some reason those two in tandem always come up. <laughs> so it's it's I I have to get there. I guess I'm 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 really excited to read them, but I just haven't. Yeah, he sort of talks about some of the stuff you were talking about with mycorrhizae and the phytochemicals and stuff. Like basically, he talks about literally plant communication, and it is fascinating. He doesn't talk about music, but he talks mm-hmm. about you know chemicals and and just the different relationships that plants have with each other and how, you know, mycorrhizae can play an intermediary role where they can, you know, sort of um, almost like a stockbroker role, I think. I think that might have been another article that made that comparison that I've read. But basically, yeah, mycorrhizae, uh, you know, taking nutrients from one plant and giving it to another plant who needs it more. Uh, And all the while, they're sort of profiting from carbon as they do that. So there are these really complex relationships with um, with all the different organisms and you can't just wipe out old growth forests without some kind of a consequence. No, that, that's the, that's the thing that we've overlooked entirely. I think throughout most of our, our history is what's going on below the ground because if yeah. that much is going above the ground, what's going on below the ground. And the main thing that we've, it's really been overlooked and I don't understand. And I know there's people out there who clearly know this. And unfortunately the gardeners are going to go, well, obviously we know that, but when you cut down the forest, the, the uh, level of, of humification underneath it, that, that humus level, when that goes, it was soon as, the, as soon as sunlight is exposed to it, that starts to go away. The, the that really fragile uh, activity that lives in there, when, you know, your mycorrhizae and your, beneficial bacteria and protozoa and nematodes and all that, they can't have a lot of sunlight. They can't have direct access to sunlight. And then also what people don't really look into a whole lot is what sunlight does to trees. When you thin a forest, people say, oh, you want to thin a forest to keep it healthy. It's like, well, actually there's complete evidence against that showing through that how, how trees grow. If you want big trees faster, sure, but the, the wood's not going to be very good. Because once, once sunlight can hit the trunk of a tree better, it allows the tree to grow faster, but more coarse, allowing it to be weaker, but it can grow faster. So you don't get a giant tree that way. You just get a big tree to us, which is, you know, 75-year-old tree, and then it falls over and breaks apart. He talks about that in the book, too. He talks about how the mothers shade out the daughters and the sons until um, the mother dies eventually, and then... Sort of by that point, the children are already well set up enough to take advantage of the sunlight, and only one of them will reach that spot that the mother did before. Yep, yep, and then and then it, that feeds so much of the forest. It, it the forest covers so much water from the rivers and the, and the lakes and everything for so many miles. It's not like 
well, we just get rain and that's what we get and good enough. It's, there's an actual system that used to actually pipe water underground through all of it because that's how the fungal system works and that's how the root systems work. It's almost like a sponge, but it's an active sponge. It's living with, with life that knows how to support that and needs that to live. So we used to have that, but then you pave it with roads and you put all the concrete up and you get it hot with the asphalt and, and uh, people wonder how there's climate change going on. It's just like, is it climate change or is it, you know, is it climate or is it uh, habitat destruction? It, it's it, when you look at us it, like a bacteria, and I think we might have maybe had this conversation on the last episode, but when you look at us it, like bacteria, human beings existed on this planet up until a certain point, and then they've understood how to harness fire. And once humans understood how to harness fire, the Mother Earth caught an affection. And once, then when you think about it, that's the, we started spreading that fire and then that fire kept spreading and spreading and then it became combustion engines and rocket jets and all these different things and chopped down the forest and chopped, you know, burned them up and, and that's, that's infection. That's bacteria coming in and just destroying everything because that's what bad bacteria do to something that it's living. I mean, if you have your body and a cold comes in, it comes in like it's a wrecking crew trying to wipe you out. And then your your good defenses come in and fight back. And that's, you know, that's why we, this is why this whole mess is going on right now. We don't need to get into that. But, you know, without those things working properly, we without the defenses there to be able to do what they can do. And our, our forest is, is absolutely not going to work the way it does and our role and what we get from the forest is it doesn't exist yeah absolutely you know children when you put a child down in front of lego they'll smash down the block the first time and it maybe takes them a couple of years until they learn how to build a castle or a batmobile or something yeah yeah you know i suppose so yeah maybe i hope so gosh i really hope so I suppose, you know, you, you need enough of the, the younger kids to watch the, the slightly older kids smash the stuff and not have it anymore to go, <laughs> I guess I'm not going to do that. And maybe that's what, maybe that's where the change will come. Because, you know, I, I watch my generation and the generations before me and they're looking at this, that we're all going, what did you do? This is so bad. I mean, listen, America, it's just like, oh my good Lord, you guys are it's like you're just destroying everything and then blaming everybody but yourself. It's just so god dang awful. But uh, you know, it you just gotta kind of take it in stride and and hope that maybe you're right. I really, I really hope you're right with that because maybe we gotta fight and chance with it. But do you think the Mother Earth can take the the pummeling in the meantime? Is the question. You know, how far do we go before we completely disengage some of the basic functions of it? For example, if the forests of the Amazon pump how much water into the atmosphere. There's a thing that's actually called heavy water. Uh, it's like ur water, depends on who you talk to. There's a few different names for it, but it's just, it's a water that has a little bit heavier of a molecule to it, so it, it clings to things more, but the trees are the main thing that can pump it. It never really gets absorbed. It just kind of gets transferred around, but it keeps everything moist, and when you're running into a rainforest, it's part of this, and it's very important, but because the trees are dying, there's not as much of it. So now they're watching it go away, and then that means it can't be the rainforest like there was, because there's not the water, not the same type of water, not the same magnetically structured water. 
And that's a whole nother thing. I mean, we're talking about what's underneath the, the soil. Well, water, we went to water last time. We talked about this in the last podcast, but that magnetic structure, what I mean, it has to go through a process to be what it is to be living. People don't realize that there's a living quality to water. Water is almost everything that's living, you know? So it, we are overlooking the whole point of this because at least if, if we look at the, the soil in the ground, it's a giant filter for that water that comes out of the sky. And the water is coming out of the sky clean anyway, but then it goes, scrubs all the different minerals, gets its uh, the correct minerals back that it needs, falls into the streams, then picks up all the different sediments that it needs to help feed the lakes and the, and the ocean in the process. And then that's that it's just a constant cycle. And the forest is just feeding the ocean all the time. You kill off the forest, you'll kill off parts of the ocean. And they've been showing that. And there's proof of that. So it's just like we think it's not all connected, but it's entirely connected. And it, it, we can't, it, it's all one. It's all, the whole thing is all one. And to go and play with these trees, there's, it shows you entirely, like, you really, you have, it, it's, there's a connection going on here that we have to understand. And it's up to all of us to, to start trying to plant these trees and just plant as many trees as you can, but plant the trees that can actually grow and plant them in places that they're not going to get cut down. Don't plant them for a 50 year process. Think you're going to make money off of this. Can't do that anymore. And there's so many people. I mean, I've, I've had people tell me that already just coming back. It's like, Oh yeah, plant them in a plot. By the time you get older, that'll be your retirement. I think, you think I would cut these trees down if they lived till I was able to retire? You gotta be no, no. There's no possible way I would ever chop these trees down ever, and I would make sure they were preserved in such a way that they would never be chopped down. And that's what's important. Like the one thing that we need more than anything right now is more trees. I mean, that's literally the most important thing we can do for this earth is grow more giant trees, established trees too, not not saplings. Yeah, you know, and yeah, we we gotta, we have to do that. So, what's the trees that can do that? Well, the, these coastal redwoods can grow amazingly huge very fast these the sequoias can grow outrageously big very fast so i mean i know you have your trees over there that also have those same qualities uh i'm sure it's got to be a lot of eucalyptus trees have to be like that right some of them are yes we've got some big ones right so if we could find the ones that are actually doing what they're supposed to and have those genetics and that ability and we grow as many of them as possible then we have a chance of at least taking this carbon footprint changing it cool in the earth a little bit if we get enough of them maybe we can have a chance but the earth i mean these forests are dying by the hundreds of thousands of acres right now out in the rocky mountains and stuff and and all the way up the coast and everything there's spots that's just being devastated by just different bugs and different things because the climate change they just can't Mm -hmm. fight off of their they've been fighting off for years because they they don't have the access to the different uh resources they used to when the forests aren't as big when the forest is big, it has a better chance of survival because it has more of a chance to pull in everything, all the nutrients, because it has such a huge network to work from, and it has some other trees to help support it. Once that's gone, well, we can't really do much for it, and the bugs come in because the bugs are really, honestly, just nature's warning call. They're just they're, they're like the 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 wrecking crew. They come <laughs> in and they're like, all right, that's it, all right, guys, we got to clean up shop here. Sorry. And so it's like, it's not the bugs that are actually doing it. It's the fact that the trees got so unhealthy that they can't support their own life anymore. And if we start looking at it like that, then maybe we can have a chance of, of understanding why this is happening. But I think it's pretty obvious. You can't sectionize all these different little hunks of forest 
and think that it's going to work the same way as a giant forest used to work. It doesn't work like that. You can't turn. I think, look at New York. You know, look at, look at Long Island. And like, it just there is. I, I mean, I've been I've been in places in Detroit that and you can ever say on a map if you want to. Just like I've been in places in Detroit even that like there's no green. There's you can't I see. I, there's not even grass for as far as you can see. Why? <laughs> you know, that's not doing any good. It's only causing heat and problems. And then you're ruining the forest in the process. And we're destroying our climate. We're, we are, you know, we're destroying our host. And we have to realize that we could either be good bacteria or bad bacteria. And it's literally our own decision, decision of what to do with that. Some, some bacteria in your body repopulate the good cells. Some of them deplete your bad cells if, you, if they're allowed to exist. So let's not allow those ones to exist and start repopulating the good cells, which is the giant trees and the things that are vital to the existence, to our lungs, to the to the animals, to the earth. Like it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a pretty profound thing. It's a really important thing that I think needs more attention, but people, you know, they, oh, tree huggers or whatever. And it's just like, no, you can't. You can't live off TV and internet and, you know, social media. It just doesn't work. It's absolutely true, man. I mean, like, think about your body too. You know, maybe you have a a muscular thing in your toe that ends up affecting something in your ears or your nose or whatever. Like, it's one body. And I think that the earth is kind of the same as well. Oh, yeah. If you've talked to the right kinesiologists that actually understand your body, they'll just tap you in a couple spots and all of a sudden it's like, (laughs) What? Okay, I feel great now. Cool. That's just a muscle, you know, but it affects your whole body. I mean, I, I think there's a, um, isn't there an oriental medicine uh, aspect of your feet and there's different parts yeah. organs of your, you know, and, and so I, and I thoroughly believe in that. So if you're, if your feet are even off, you're not going to have your body working right. So obviously if these trees are that big, they have to be an important part. And when you think about how they can, at least in, in America, the way the winds come, they come from the west and go to the east, at least they always usually do anyway. And uh, when you have the mountains and the giant trees, the buffer, it's a diffuser. So those those winds come in off the ocean and you have these storms roll up, but it, it it just circles the water back down on the actual rainforest part, which is the giant trees, and then it actually diffuses what's going over so it's nice and mild, and it keeps the climate decent across the, the rest of the country. And uh, once they're gone, it's just, I mean, it's terrible. Well, and I gotta ask you. So how how did everything wrap up with the giant forest fires out, out where you were? Uh, what was a year and a half ago or so? Yeah, yeah. I think it depends on where because they're pretty widespread. But you know, some places are coming back and some places aren't, uh, to my understanding. So yeah, yeah. I was wondering about that because some places they'll they'll actually flourish if it's not too hot. But then some yeah. places they're just straight devastation. Yeah, it's the same thing as what you were saying about you know. Does the fire sort of pillage the soil bacteria and the soil mycorrhizae and basically the yeah the yeah the microbiome in in the soil? Like, is it just a surface flame? Is it just going to burn up leaves and stuff, or is it really going to do a lot of damage with high heat? You know, high winds, um, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I think because it was so widespread, I think there's just a variety of different effects that it's had. Yeah, really, really sad, man. Yeah, I can only imagine. I had a front door there, <laughs> and uh, she's just like, "Yeah, it just smells like burning eucalyptus." Yeah, <laughs> everywhere you go. It's like, oh man, mm. 
And then, uh, then right after that, these fires came through over here and yep. they weren't supposed to happen. And they did. It, there's definitely something changing and there's something going on. And, uh, you know, we need to basically, and I, I guess I can ask even your, your listeners, but if anybody knows of some of the most massive trees that are on private property, especially because on public lands, really hard to get, you know, the government to decide that they can even let you take a snippet because they just don't know what you're going to use it for. You know, you could be in a nonprofit, but they don't necessarily, they just don't know. And it, it, even if you have the best intentions, how do they know? So it's just hard to get any permission with them. But with private land, we have a chance to be able to get, you know, the clones and preserve. But people have access to some of these absolutely massive trees. At least uh, hit up the, the Archangel Ancient Tree Archive and, and let them know about it. Hopefully, maybe there's something they can do about it if it's if it's worth you know if, if it's one of the trees that really needs it, and it's it's very very important that we try and, and source them, but then preserve them and keep them healthy and not hurt them. And you know, I you don't want people just going out there chopping a bunch of branches off and going for mm. it. You know, that's another thing. But we you know we, we need people who can do it right and and then you know work together to make it a better thing. So. If if you reach out to the right the right people and, and ask, I know that you'll be put in touch with the right places, and there's a lot that can be done. That's probably beyond most people's scope right now, and it's probably way more at our fingertips than we realize, especially with the modern world. And if we just reach out to some of these places and and help out, sometimes you'd be taken places that you <laughs> really really might not expect but they're really really great and uh you might have a chance to actually do something worthwhile because i know i think that's what all, we're all trying to do is just figure out what we can do you know most people i feel like are trying to you know, just live the best lives they can and what's one of the best things you can do plant as many plant trees a tree. as you can yeah well said mate tom is i always like to ask our guests is there anything else you want the listeners to know about Man, there's so much right now. It's hard to even say, but uh, you know, the the I, I always recommend um, just checking out the the Cosmic Knot. Everything just if you visit CosmicKnotMusic.com. That's Cosmic, like it sounds. Music and uh, it, I'm sorry, it's Cosmic, just like it sounds. Not with a K, K N O T. Music.com. So CosmicKnotMusic.com. And uh, if, if you go to that, there's all sorts of information or anything out there that can dive into this deeper. But what I would like people to really know is that, once again, there's places and people out there that are making a big difference with all this. And I know a lot of people, especially that listen to this kind of thing, would be really, really, really happy to try and take part in something like that. But don't ever hesitate to reach out. And just ask, and you know, if if you do it right, you, you, like I said, you just never know what might happen. Uh, most people's problems with with starting on something like this is just usually fear, anxiety from you know just the unknown or you know lack of inhibition. We could say, but usually people, you know, nobody wants to cold call somebody or just hit somebody up out of nowhere. Usually, and, and you, I'm sure you have to do it enough, and I've had to do it enough being a musician and artist and all. It's never fun. But once you do it, you might get a yes. And if you get a yes, it might take you farther than you'd ever imagine. And these people might really, really need the help. So, you know, if you find these right organizations that are working with these kind of things, it can help with that. Who knows how far it could go and how profound it could be. I mean, one man can plant a forest. Absolutely true, mate. 
you mentioned cold calling there or cold emailing. Yeah, mate, this whole podcast has been built off the back of cold emailing. That's yep. all I do. <laughs> yep. Yep. And look what you've done, man. It's amazing. And you're, you know, you're influencing people all around the world now. And uh, we get to sit here and talk about it. And uh, and hopefully, maybe, who knows, maybe this will spark something and somebody will contact uh, me or the Archangel Ancient Tree, Tree Archive and, and something will happen. And that's arctrees.org if, if anybody wants to go the short term to get into looking in the, to that Archangel Ancient Tree Archive. It's ARC. T-R-E-E-S dot org, arctrees dot org. And uh, that's, it's just an amazing organization. It's an amazing story. It's, they're working towards something that I don't think we understand yet. And when he started, it wasn't as bad as it is now for the obviousness of the situation. So, you know, it should have started yesterday, but here we are. Hmm. Now we can all start now, right? Absolutely true, mate. Yeah, pick up a shovel. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for coming back on the show, mate. I cannot wait for our next chat. Oh, absolutely, man. I really appreciate it, and I, I hope it was uh, good for you. Plants are more than just green infrastructure. They're living organisms that are just as fascinating as they are mysterious, and humans and plants even share an ancient ancestor. If you haven't listened to my first episode with Tom about the music of the plants device, go and check out episode 53, Plant Electromagnetic Output as Music. If you know someone that would enjoy this episode, send them a link. If we're going to build a greener world, it's going to start with a love for nature.